0: This week's podcast brought to you by Embroiderers. This morning I was asking our 11 year old um, every day after school she's really hungry and so we bring her a snack in the car so she has something to eat on the way home and uh, and for breakfast she had had yogurt with granola and fresh berries in it and I said to her I said you know do you want me to bring you one of these after school because I wanted to eat something a little healthier um, after school too. And, and she said, yeah, I, w- I would love for you to bring me the yogurt and granola and berries. And then she paused and said, and can you also bring me some chips?
1: No pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.
2: Welcome back to uh, Planet Earth after a month of. Cross-country travels, red eyes, back and rib eyes. Back to life,
0: eyes. back to reality. Who sang that?
2: Back to life, mm-hmm. back to reality. I don't remember to do you. I don't remember. We'll we'll have the uh, artist before the end of the podcast. But um, what was I saying? I don't know. Oh, you're welcome back from the road. Oh, thank you. You you your first morning here after the Las Vegas Aces beat the Connecticut Sun in the WNBA finals on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. You tell me you always have these violent, action verbs that um, you regale me with before starting your day. I'm going, today. I'm going to attack. I'm going to attack the mudroom. Then I'm going to bust out some some bills. Then I'm then I'm going to uh, then I'm going to tackle my emails.
0: I had grand plans.
2: You had grand plans, and and I was I was doing my passive uh, sitting in my little writing area writing, and I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you attacking. I didn't hear you tackling. I didn't hear you busting things out. And at one p.m., when I could no longer look at my laptop screen, I went up to our room to get a book. I was just going to sit down and read something that wasn't you on the screen. I found you in a, in a coma under a uh, under all the blankets in bed, snoring like a chainsaw.
0: I don't think I was snoring. Well, it. Anyway, but for the sake uh, of the story, I'm painting
2: a picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. blackout curtains, and um, and uh, I think your body was telling you you needed rest.
0: I was. I had grand plans, like uh, ever since you know throughout all of the WNBA playoffs, because it's you know constant traveling, going here, going there, working, whatever. When this is over, I'm gonna. I, these are the things I need to do around the house. They desperately need to get done, and I'm gonna do them. So I had this in my mind. <laughs> And the game one Sunday. It's not like it was a late night start or anything. It's not like I had to take a red eye. Then it would have been but, excusable. But, I was local. I was just over an hour away.
2: But you had been taking red eyes. Oh yeah, I'd constantly. been taking red
0: eyes constantly.
2: And, and make, can I interrupt for yeah. just a second? Yeah. This was a text from you on one of your. I don't know if this. I don't know which direction you were traveling. Oh, I do because you said it in the text. This is this is a blur to You you may not even remember this. At this I don't point.
0: have any idea what you're going to say.
2: You texted me. Uh, I think this was on a flight from Hartford to Las Vegas.
0: Okay. Through somewhere?
2: Well, I'll tell you where. Okay. This is the text from you to me uh, after I dropped you at the airport three hours later. I was sitting next to an, an enormous tattooed fellow on the flight from Hartford to Detroit. Before we took off, he had already down two glasses of liquor on the rocks. I passed out almost immediately after takeoff, in a coma for about 10 minutes, when he needed me to get up so he could use the john.
0: <laughs> That's right. That did happen. Um... Yeah. So finals end, come home. I'm ready to attack all these chores. And when I woke up that morning, you ever wake up and you're just already tired and looking forward to going to bed that night? Uh, It happens uh, to me on occasion. Are you kidding? Is that every day for you?
2: Every single day. Okay. I mean, I don't always wake up tired, but I always, always look forward to going to bed that night.
0: (laughs) So anyway, I, I... did some things. I think I went to the grocery store. I did some things. And then at 10 o'clock, I was just exhausted. And I was looking around and thought, kids are in school. Finals are over. I don't have any game prep to do. All the stuff that the house needs. If there was a game five of the finals, I wouldn't be able to do for a few days. Anyway, I'm just going to go take a short little nap. Laid down, didn't set an alarm or anything. Two and a half hours later, I slept from... 10.45 10.45 to one fifteen. I think that was the time frame. Or maybe it was, no, it was 10.15 to 12.45. Two and a half hours. and That's after having like a seven-hour night sleep. And you so, woke up
2: feeling more tired than when you oh took yeah, the night. Oh,
0: yeah, I wasn't refreshed. It was, um, but gosh, I guess that was the clearest indication that my body uh, needed to slow down for a minute. So I, I still have my plans. I'm still going to attack the mudroom. I haven't yet. What, what did you use for the Bills?
2: Tackling or, I'm or. Tackle
0: the Bills. I started tackling today. Bills have been tackled today. Um, I'm mid tackle. And, uh, and we're going to get there. I still, and I've, there's a lot on my to do list. And uh, the to do list is long. The to do list is long. <laughs> but WNBA season ended almost a month earlier than it did last year. So I've got a little bit more time in which to tackle and uh, attack.
2: And there, there will never be a, a time when you're not tackling or attacking. There is no to-do not list for you.
0: Well, certainly not in the fall when I've been gone as much as I have. There's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to get done.
2: Back to life, back to reality. Soul to soul, to mm-hmm. the Roman numeral two.
0: S O U L, for both the well, souls. Yes, of course, right. course.
2: Yeah. Kind of in the mm-hmm. boys to men. Uh, right. Band's right. name. Generator,
0: yes. I what when when did that song come out? It must have been early to mid nineties, if I remember it the way I do. That's back when I actually listened well, to music a lot.
2: I, I don't. I didn't know this was gonna be a, a pop quiz today, but if a quick uh, glance at Wikipedia says it came out in uh, nineteen eighty
0: nine. Oh, late eighties. Okay, that works too. You brought up the large tattooed man who was sitting next to me on the plane, who had to wake me up soon. As, it must have been as soon as the seatbelt sign came off. So as soon as we reached however many thousand feet, I was already asleep. And those are the best flights. When you're asleep, even like near takeoff and don't wake up till landing, like those are, those are success. That's a success. And he shook me right out of that literally. So he'd get by and use the bathroom. But he was also, I think it was the same guy sitting next to me was on his phone while he was downing his bourbons or whatever like he was drinking and this was my favorite line as he's talking to somebody who works for him remember y'all get paid to burn out I don't get paid to burn out and then he was talking about how he was in five cities in the last three days but like you know you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this you get, y'all get paid to burn out I don't get paid burn out so you
2: you understand he was talking into a into a a dead phone (laughs) he may have been on his ninth bourbon he was simply uh talking to a a black brick
0: could have been could have been true i I felt at the moment like i get paid to burn out (laughs) that's what's happening here traveling all over the uh all over the world but what a great WNBA finals we had uh went four games. It looked like it might go to a fifth game in Vegas, but uh, the Aces were able to pull it out in the last couple of minutes against the Connecticut Sun in game four. Incredible environments. The two games in Vegas were sold out. Um, Game three in Connecticut close to sold out, um, but it was a 9 p.m. start, so understandably wasn't completely sold out, I don't think, but very close. And then game four sold out on a Sunday afternoon. Really high level basketball. It was awesome. I love the W. I love covering the WNBA because the basketball is so so good. Um, and uh, anyway, it's over though now. in the Las Vegas Aces, Las Vegas, Nevada, are your 2022 WNBA champions.
2: And is there going to be a parade? Has there been a parade? What does a parade consist of in Las Vegas today? I mean, I think, I think if, if World War II ended today and there was a parade in Las Vegas, most people wouldn't be aware of it, of it's going on, just given the nature of, like, the Las Vegas Strip.
0: Right, of course. Yeah, today we're recording this on Tuesday, and, and today is the parade. They're doing an event. Um, the, the, the road in front of the Bellagio, I think, is the one that's shut down from, like, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. or something. So it, it seems like, from what I... Could read from the press release. There was a short parade and then a big uh, ceremony where in a front bunch of the fountains of Bellagio. And talked and uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, but I think that was the area that was going to be shut down.
2: Have you? Have you? You've been. You must have grand marshaled various parades, or at least uh, what was there? Was there? Was there a parade when you won the title with UConn? Or was yes. that? I'm thinking of the bus ride from the airport. No, to, to we
0: campus. had a parade, and it was they had convertibles and there's like two players per convertible and yeah, was the, the royal wave there was an incredible amount of people at that parade and remember it was the first one it was the first time you kind of had won a national championship for the men or women i mean the number of people and it finished on the um the steps of the capitol and that's where governor roland gave the seniors our license plate with our names on them but um it was very well attended
2: you had a license plate with your name on it Yes. Where is it? I don't know. What?
0: I know. I don't. Was know. it a
2: valid license plate?
0: I I would imagine not, but it looked exactly like a Connecticut license plate. It had my name on it. It's probably in my parents' basement or something, because I don't. No, have it, it can't be, because
2: everything that was in your parents' basement is now in our basement.
0: So it might be in our basement somewhere. I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, it was an incredible parade. In one year, when I was playing with the New York Liberty, I was invited to be on a float in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and I said. No, thank you. It's Thanksgiving. I'm not going to be on a float. I'm going to be sitting in my family's living room eating turkey. So those are my, those are my parade what, what, were stories. You, did,
2: did you say you would do it if you were tethered to one of the Macy's balloons? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that could have been fun.
2: Especially when they, one in every three flies away in high winds?
0: Right, right. Yes, that would have been.
2: Be like the guy from Up?
0: Right. Yes, no.
2: So do you love a parade? You don't love a parade?
0: Well, what kind of a parade? Like, I go to our our town's Memorial Day parade every year. I'm a big big supporter of the local parades. My kids used to march in the parade when they were in Little League or whatever. I remember as a kid, like, being horrified when... We would be at a parade, and my mother inevitably would have tears running down her face when the veterans went by. And I am now the mother who has tears going down her cheeks when the veterans go by. It's just—
2: <laughs> I'm usually in there scrambling for the Jolly Ranchers as, as local right. politicians whip uh, right. Jolly Ranchers at the kids.
0: Yeah. So And the high school band, because I, I marched in parades when I was in high school because I was in the high school band. And, uh, uh, like, I, I do love that. Local kind of parade I think it's just something truly I don't know American about it although they might have them everywhere around the world as far as I know well, of course but, they do but I uh, the, there's per- something... perhaps
2: the most famous being the May Day Parade in Moscow where they parade the uh, the military parades oh, with right. the tanks rolling through the streets
0: yeah I don't think that would be my favorite but I do like these local like you feel invested in your community local pride kind of
2: parades top parades Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade yeah Rose Bowl, Tournament of Roses Parade, of mm-hmm. course. What do you got after that?
0: Can we get a non-holiday? I guess there's only parades on holidays. Because uh, Rose Bowl is what? New Year's Day?
2: Of course. Is that
0: right? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd give our, our little town. And that that uh, might I, be Trump, uh, both yeah. of those. Our Little Towns Parade.
2: I was just thinking of uh, most famous ones, not not the best. I don't consider the Mayday Military Might Parade in Moscow right. the best. I just, right. it's, it's I just, one of the three most famous I can think of. Right. Beyond, well, Ticker tape parades in New York City for the astronauts.
0: Who would have thought in like mid-September we would be talking about parades? <laughs> Thank you the Las Vegas Aces for getting us here.
2: If you hear a loud buzzing, that's not uh, microphone interference and it's not, Producer Denny Gallagher's Technical Difficulties. We have another giant fly on the Another
0: one? I thought you got it.
2: I got what I thought was the only one, but we've got another one I can hear in the basement here. So last night, I was lying down Uh, every night, uh, our 11-year-old and I have been reading a book at bedtime. It's 500 pages, so it'll be some time before we're finished. I I read the same book, uh, Princess Bride, with, with our now college student, and I'm loving it again. But it required having a reading lamp on in the room, and there was a giant—I mean, a giant fly. Is it like
0: a, a normal house fly? A just, normal house fly, just but extra but, large variety.
2: Yeah, this this was a house fly. <laughs> okay. And uh, and it was so loud, you know, it was like the buzzing of a of a weed whacker, and and so to get it out of the room, I turned off the reading lamp, and I turned on a lamp in the hallway outside. Mm-hmm. So when it went to that light. I closed the door, the bedroom door, and the f- fly was now in the hall. And uh, when I went to our room, the fly was in our room. So, it, it was again, buzzing, I had to, right had to turn off the light and the it TV. It was like
0: going, it was a fearless yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing you could was hear coming banging, right by my forehead.
2: Banging against the screen, you know, and banging against the window.
0: Yeah, not not the smartest large no, fly. And
2: we only have one small room that has, that that you can occupy, that's not like a closet that you can occupy um, and that's the the little office that we share. And I was in it this morning, and the, and I discovered that the fly was in it also. So now we have the fly confined to the small room. And I was able to to swat the fly after much uh, stalking.
0: Not my and, oh my! He swallowed the fly, but he no, swatted no. the fly.
2: I can only do that when our youngest is out of the house, because she would require us to set it free, and and there was just no way of doing that. I, right. I gave this fly every opportunity to exit. Yes stage left but but now we've got another one in the basement so
0: I don't like these flies they're large they're loud they're aggressive as and, and, I mentioned and, and, and they're like and killer they're, flies and
2: they're overstaying their welcome okay I get it in the summer you know mm-hmm. right. it's fly season yep right more yep. power to you
0: our doors are open you sometimes come in and you sometimes go out
2: but after Labor Day you know stop wearing white
0: right get the and, heck out and fly <laughs> yeah
2: you don't have to go home but you can't stay here right Imagine, by the way, some hapless, bored person driving across the country who stops at a Stucky's or a Shoney's, if those things still exist, and says, I'm tired of this one CD that I, that I brought to listen to on my cross-country drive. I'm going to see if there's a podcast. Oh, I know. I enjoy the WNBA, and I see that Rebecca Lobo has a podcast, and the finals just ended this weekend. I wonder what her thoughts are. So they fire this up, and it's about parades and house flies.
0: There was some WB sprinkled in. Well, school has started. Fall sports have started. And um, I don't like when high school competitors curse, in particular when they use the F-bomb during competition. It wasn't something we heard a lot or really ever during our daughter's sports competitions. Um, And in basketball games, of course, if you curse, or even if you're not cursing at the ref, if you curse, especially if you use that word, you get a technical foul. And uh, I've been hearing it far too much, watching boys' soccer, and I don't like it. And, And to their credit, it's not our son's team because their coaches made it a rule that you're not allowed to. Communicate at all with the officials, and you certainly aren't allowed to uh, to curse. But their opponents, at times, in, multiple in, times, in, these in, boys blur uh, out at the top of their lungs inappropriate things, uh, and I'm, I don't like.
2: I'm it. not a fan of it. Nobody's a fan of it. But in their defense,
0: what's the defense? The
2: the, the only defense is teenage boys. Many of them are profane. Teenage oh. girls too. I heard a teenage girl coming out of a out of a sporting event yesterday use the same expletive after stepping into a puddle so
0: well but i i get it you might say it when you're hanging out with your friends or whatever you should not ever ever say it loud enough in a sporting event that a spectator in the bleachers can hear and if you do there should be consequences like in soccer i enjoy soccer i i love watching soccer some of the rules of soccer make me nuts like there should be a in basketball in at least in college and in good states, in high school, there's a shot clock. There should be a goalkeeper clock. Like when the goalie makes a save and his team is winning, he shouldn't be able to lay on it as if he's hatching an egg for longer than seven seconds. I'll give him seven seconds to lay there.
2: The keeper yesterday was was an egg hatcher. He was sure.
0: an egg hatcher, and it was making me crazy. There should be a clock, or at least an internal clock for the referee. You're allowed... Seven seconds to lay there and hatch your egg. And then you have to do something with the darn ball. That's number one. Number two, these kids who dive and roll around the the ground in pain. And I get it. I understand this is part of soccer. But in basketball. It's the worst part of soccer. But in basketball, if somebody gets hurt and the officials blow their whistle and stop play, that person has to come out. And especially in high school soccer, it's not like pro soccer. Like you come out, you can go back in. A kid should not be allowed to lay there as if he's just had his knee ripped off for, you know, thirty-five seconds and then stand up and be able to play again with no consequences. Right.
2: Well to get back, not, it shouldn't be allowed to get back to your original point about the swearing. I'm you don't not, want me to uh, rant about no, no, no I'm anymore. not I'm not suggesting that, that you do. But if you swear on occasion, when did you start at what age did you start swearing?
0: What age did I start swearing? Um, I I I
2: my, in my memory I never swore through 8th grade I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think I did either.
2: High school it was very it was hard to uh hard to avoid and then at some point um it 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 started gaining momentum and
0: Sure. Yeah. And and how
2: much swearing was there? How much profanity was there in uh, college basketball as you as a player?
0: Not a ton that I can remember. Not even, a ton. But, beyond, when, but what about from your coach? Even, oh, he may have swore. Even though, when, like, I think as a basketball player, I was kind of similar to how I am as a human now. If I curse, it's usually under my breath. It's not usually, like, out outward. You know, I don't get angry and curse loudly for everybody to hear. I might curse under my breath and hope that I'm the only one who hears it, and I'm probably not. Um, but in, like in present present company accepted yes yes present company the result the reason for it all um but uh even like when i sometimes i catch myself cursing I'm like why did you do that you don't need to do that I, i i curse more than i would like that maybe that'll be something i work on i'll work on that but i don't yell it out in the middle of some a sporting event for people in the bleachers to hear i never did that no, I never dropped not. a loud curse word in the middle of a basketball game. Maybe in practice, you know, but not in, in when there was people in attendance. It's bad it's bad form.
2: I mean, as we've demonstrated in the past, we do have some younger people listening to this. Don't it's, swear it's, younger people. It's, it's it's a reason that we don't curse on this, but not that we would anyway. But also, yes, if you can avoid starting, don't start.
0: It's just not good.
2: No, it's this even as a, even as a, as an intensifier, as an intensifying adjective, you don't need it. No, I, this is speaking as somebody who, who, this is speaking as, this is hypocrisy speaking here.
0: Right. Yes, me too. But I'm, I'm vowing today, September twentieth, twenty twenty two, to be more um, disciplined with the words that come out of my mouth because swearing is just lazy and sometimes I and you and everybody else gets lazy and well, I'm going to be I'm going to be better. Yes and no. Unless it's it's in a small group conversation and the swear makes th- something much much funnier. Yeah, that'll I, I, be my exception. <laughs> I I've I've heard
2: that that it, it's lazy but it, it does require more effort to curse than to say nothing.
0: <laughs> but you don't usually just curse with no no words surrounding it, you usually use it as an intensifier. No? I
2: think I think I do most of my cursing alone. <laughs> when I when I read an email or I or I um uh,
0: Well, that's still allowed. If nobody can hear it, it's like the tree falling in the woods. Although I don't know that it may puts you in a better mental place. Like Let's, let's come up with a word. Alone that, in a car. Alone in a car. Instead. like, but then it Because it'll change how you're thinking. So if, if you get frustrated in the car and somebody cuts you off or whatever and you use a curse word, that's not going to make you feel any better. But if you make a concerted effort, for example, instead of saying a curse word, you're going to say, Cheerio!
2: Or something like those, that. Those, those already exist. That
0: that Jiminy would, Christmas. No, no. But, like, but no, it has to be something that you've created that has no relation to it. And then it'll like make you laugh
2: okay well i, I think
0: of whatever that is Let, let's do this as like our social experiment
2: my mom was jesus mary and joseph my 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 uh, freshman basketball coach was whenever somebody would screw up god bless america you know turning it into a uh into a positive positive. Right.
0: one of my favorites when i was a freshman are at uconn our um really good shooting guard wendy davis was a senior and um just a, a great shooter and at one point in practice we're doing something and she got really frustrated and i don't think she ever cursed and she just said son of a beaver <laughs> and we all just stopped and started laughing and so that's still one that i'll use son of a beaver i've
2: never heard you use that
0: i have that and son of a biscuit oh i have used that one too <laughs>
2: Well, you were just telling the son of a beaver story. Uh, you got I got up, up, and up walked, and walked away. away. Yep. I encourage you to continue talking into a microphone, By but like nobody was here.
0: Je- just gesticulating. gesticulating that was how wildly. you were telling me to continue to talk.
2: I pulled a book off of our basement bookshelf, a w- one where where books that I don't want to get rid of, but I will probably never look at again, mm-hmm. go to uh, to live out their retirement. It is. Uh, in the year two thousand, Conan O'Brien and the writers of Late Night, yeah. and I uh, and I killed the giant fly, swatted the giant fly, kill it. I mean, it is deceased. But um, while well, you were telling that story,
0: yeah. And then what did you do? What did I do? You sa- <laughs> you swatted the fly. The poor fly landed on the ground, and you sat down to resume the podcast until I said. No, here, and I handed you a paper towel so you could dispose of the fly. You were just going to sit down and keep talking with this dead fly in the middle of the floor.
2: I didn't. I didn't Who know if that. I didn't know if it was dead. I thought it would have just stunned it.
0: You, you thought he was just laying there with his feet in the air.
2: I thought he was playing possum.
0: But you, you honestly, were just going to sit down and resume dead fly. Let's let it sit there. Wait for me to throw it away. <laughs> like this, these are the things you do.
2: I had uh, these
0: are the things you do, <laughs> but thank you for
2: getting. I, the I was fly. going to read it in in, in, in the year two thousand entry from the Conan O'Brien book while I was while I have it here, but none of them are uh, really uh, uh, appropriate for for this family podcast. Okay. So, okay, well,
0: maybe another time. Perhaps we should just podcast.
2: go straight to viewer mail.
0: Yes. <laughs> Take that
1: book, throw our lure,
2: reel us in with your viewer mail. All right, Rebecca, our first uh, viewer mail comes from, as he signs it, John with no H.
0: Hello, J-O-N.
2: Greetings, Restiva. Local uh, completionist here, West Hartford, wrote you a couple of times with musical suggestions many, many podcasts ago, writing now in response to the coverage by you and media in general of the passing of the great Vin Scully. It brought back back vividly the memories of my youth listening to Dodger games while they were still in Brooklyn on WMGM in New York. Your dad, Rebecca, growing up in New Britain, was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan and attended a game, at least a game, or games at Ebbets Field. Hmm. I've always envied that. There was also a pregame show, writes John with no H, featuring tennis great Gussie Moran, along with a gentleman whose name escapes me. I suspect that I may be the ball and chain viewer with the earliest memory of Mr. Scully. Uh, 1953, I think, was his first season. Uh well, was, was his first World Series. Excuse me. I was actually a Yankee fan at the time and listened to the also legendary Red Barber and Mel Allen on, I believe, WINS, W-I-N-S. Much of this listening being done on the large console radio of my grandparents who lived upstairs from us. My most vivid memory of those games is listening to the game versus the Washington Senators when Mickey Mantle hit his prodigious 565-foot home run, supposedly, off of Camilo Pascual or perhaps Pedro Ramos. My memory fails me. And yes, like all of us, my parents ditched my baseball card collection, which may very well have had the mix rookie card. I think uh, the latest uh, Mantle rookie card went for like $12 million or something, so he keeps setting new... Uh, each somehow mint mental rookie card that is discovered goes for uh, a more ridiculous amount each time but mm-hmm. but this this thank you John for your email this this uh, the death of uh, Vince Scully and our 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 talk of um parades Vin was the grand marshal of the rose parade and as he said when I congratulated him on that he said this year at the front of the parade next year at the back with a broom <laughs> so he hated being honored and uh
0: When you interviewed Vince Gulley, did you record your conversation? Oh yeah, I
2: I don't know where the recording is. I'm sure the last two-hour conversation or hour-long conversation I had with him was probably on recorded on an iPhone that I no longer have. Because most of the interviews that I've recorded in person uh, since the advent of the iPhone have been done on voice memos.
0: It'd just be so cool to have his his voice. You
2: know? Well, I mean, fortunately, his voice is, is everywhere on of YouTube. Course, and, but, and like but yes, absolutely. And, specific
0: and, and to, to a conversation with you would be really neat.
2: Absolutely. Um, our next viewer mail comes from Kevin, also with no H. And Kevin writes, Hello, Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad. First, please accept my apologies for the long interval between messages. Fortunately, you have not had a need for the resident ombudsman, though I pledge to intervene should such ner- services be required. This is our resident ombudsman, Rebecca. Remember when we... We needed to fill that I position. Do. Yes, of course. One of the reasons for not writing is that my lovely wife and I recently moved to a Stanton, spelled, spelled like Staunton, Rebecca, but it pronounced, he, he helpfully encloses a pronunciation key, Stanton, the U is silent. Stanton, Virginia, okay. where I am part of the management team at the American Shakespeare Center. We produce classic and contemporary plays and a reproduction of Shakespeare's Blackfriars Playhouse, remaining as faithful as possible to original practices. No microphones universal lighting, and directly addressing audience members. How cool is that, Rebecca? That's really cool. These are resident ombudsmen, but we don't have a resident bard, uh, directly, bardologist, do we? Directly
0: addressing the audience. audience members. But do you think that's like, turn off your cell phone? Or well, think I, don't, I, I, I think at the
2: Globe that? Theater, they were not uh, yelling at uh, audiences to turn off their cell phones. Okay. But I could be wrong. This all makes for great theater, and I invite BNC viewers to visit Stanton and check us out as my guest. I am the only Kevin at ASC, so I am very easy to find for any interested viewers. Of course, the hosts and extensive BNC production crew are invited as well. Thank you, Kevin. We're currently in rehearsals for The Tempest, Pericles, and Un Tempete. Steve, you're welcome for the French title. Un Tempete. I, I mean, and performance is open next week. Okay. Okay. Sounds great, man.
0: Sounds amazing. Stanton.
2: Stanton. Like John Carlos Stanton. Right. But spelled like Staunton. Mm Mm-hmm. I do have a backlog of material inspired by the podcast over the last several months, but don't want to go on too long with this email. I promise to share in the near future, and if anyone is interested, a true tale inspired by Steve's nothing-to-see-here comment related to the walk-in tub musings from the springtime. The tale involves football camp, public nudity, and a healthy disregard for the rule of law. Did you get that, Rebecca? Football camp, public, public nudity, nudity, and, and a, a healthy, healthy disregard healthy for the, disregard for the rule of law. I mean, we got to hear that, right?
0: Well, I would say so, yes.
2: But it is rated PG, so no worries about content warnings that occurred over 40 years ago, which means that statutes of limitations have expired and names will be changed to protect the innocent. Therefore, the network censors and BNC legal team should have no concerns. And, and Rebecca, if, if our viewers do have concerns, they should just contact our resident ombudsman. That's right. Right? That's right. They can complain to Kevin about Kevin's story. if right. They can find Kevin's story offensive. Thank you for the many entertaining podcast hours. I listen faithfully, notwithstanding sporadic communications. All the best, Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much, and best of luck with uh, The Tempest and your other productions down there in Giancarlo Stanton, Virginia. Our next uh, viewer mail, Rebecca, comes from uh, uh, Chris in Connecticut, our resident something or other.
0: Hello, Chris.
2: Dear Rebecca and Steve, over the summer, without a commute, I slipped from my completionist status. I mean, th- th- we're now we're now uh, Mark Simon, of course, invented the, the entire completionist uh, rubric. Yes. And now people are feeling burdened, I think, by it. Right. Yeah. It's like a, a Snapchat streak or a um, right or you know completing the New York Times crossword puzzle every day and and having that streak tabulated on your on your crossword app.
0: Oh, do you have that?
2: Well, I, yeah, but I've I've st- I've stopped. I, I broke myself of that uh, cycle. Good. I still enjoy doing the crossword, but uh, I don't feel like I have to do it every day. Within the twenty-four hours of it being posted, okay, because that's doing me no favors. It's just uh, right. helping their algorithm in right. some way. I don't even know what an algorithm is. I just know that where the phone is involved,
0: there's an algorithm.
2: There's an algorithm.
0: Yeah, I think anytime there's a screen involved, there's probably an algorithm in effect. What's what's? No, well, I don't know.
2: However, I'm however writes uh, Chris. I am currently working on the backlog of episodes to once again be a completionist. Therefore, I only just listened to episode two eighteen. So he's working on the backlog. It's it's like you know you're bringing in a plumber to to, to unclog a right a drain or something. You know, I got to gotta get through that backlog of podcasts. Yeah, people sh- people we should we should alleviate, relieve that pressure, right? Yes. During this episode, Steve asked Rebecca for her most memorable celebrity interaction in an elevator. We did, we did, I think, later open it up to non-elevator celebrity interactions, Mm -hmm. but the original was the elevator, right? Mm -hmm. Rebecca's involved, Robert Goulet. My top two, my top two took place the same weekend at Mohegan Sun. I was there for a coaching clinic and on Sunday morning found myself alone having a lovely conversation with Coach K. That was how the weekend ended. However, to start the weekend, I had a double celebrity interaction in the same Mohegan Sun Hotel elevator. That was where I got to ride and chat with both of you. This was at least 15 years ago, as I haven't coached basketball since my oldest was born. However, the funniest part of that ride and most memorable to me was that Steve was surprised I recognized him by face as well as Rebecca. Um, I I assume he's saying that I was surprised that that I recognized him by face, and you were also surprised that he recognized (laughs) me by face.
0: 15 years ago.
2: 15 years ago, yeah, Rebecca.
0: would have been probably calling a WNBA game, and you would have been there um, with one of our young kids, maybe.
2: 15 years later, I no longer even recognize me by face. Right. <laughs> I believe I've mentioned, writes Chris, that I've met both of you once, each separately, and this time together. It was absolutely my most memorable celebrity elevator interactions. in um, Rebecca, this is a uh, – he doesn't – Chris doesn't realize perhaps how rare it is to have to have you be somebody's celebrity elevator uh, encounter because you so rarely take elevators that have other people on them.
0: Yes. Well, again, we've talked about this. I don't mind a, a sparse elevator, well, elevator you, with a couple of people. A jam-packed elevator, I'm getting off.
2: You're, you're not not because you're not because you're a claustrophobe. You just don't like people.
0: <laughs> no, it is because I'm a claustrophobe. You're
2: you're, you're contract writer demands that if you're taking an elevator, everybody else, either nobody else is on it or everybody else has to get off.
0: Right, right. That's what my contract writer says. Yeah. My contract writer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> your contract writer. <laughs> Only brown M&Ms, right?
0: Who would want brown M&M's? Now, if only, I was, only, if only I was going M&Ms. to have a contract driver and M&M's were in There aren't brown M&M's. There are
2: black M&M's. There aren't brown M&M's. No, there's brown M&M's. Are there?
0: Yeah. That's what most M&M's are, dark brown, light brown. Is it M&M's? It, Is it M&Ms? M&M's. Only or, green. Or M's and M. <laughs> I don't know, but they would be green.
2: Okay. Uh, I, okay. Okay. Uh, Perhaps as I catch up on the three episodes I have left, I'll have more thoughts on topics you haven't thought of in a few weeks. Regards, and be well, your residence, something or other. Chris, P.S. to Michael in Japan, Pepe's Pizza is my favorite too. I live close enough to the original to prefer it to the two franchise locations that are slightly closer, but far enough away that I don't get it often enough for my liking. Uh, Frank Pepe's, uh, a Connecticut uh, institution, Rebecca. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we, we have, before we get to Dr. Siegel's uh, batting cleanup, he had sent an earlier email saying uh, we should address this. OMG, Friday, September 9th's podcast just popped up on my phone on Tuesday morning. Yikes. Enjoy a picture of me at work attached. Uh, and then and then it is, in fact, a um, Farsight cartoon um, The the uh, with uh, a doctor giving an ultrasound and uh, it says the prenatal development of Curly. And you can see the ultrasound is is uh, Curly from the Three Stooges on the ultrasound doing the woo, 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 you know, <laughs> dance. Thing. Right. Uh, but the reason that, that that podcast appeared in his phone on a Tuesday, we, we posted the podcast on our usual time. Not so we, this was the last let's one. Let's
0: give the credit where the credit is due. Denny is the one who always posts well, the I, co- podcast. Well, I'm sorry. We
2: recorded the podcast yes. at the same time. Send it to Denny.
0: Yes. He posted it. Then he
2: posted it. He posted it everywhere, but. Somehow, Apple Podcasts, it didn't post to Apple Podcasts. We didn't realize that until a day or two later. We see, I go into Apple Podcasts. It's not there. Yeah. So we contact Denny. Who we, well, solves let, the Let's problem. be honest. We contacted Denny's people. Right, right. Several days later, uh, they got back to us. And Denny, Denny of course, responded immediately and, uh, and shook the apple tree, as it were and got it up on Apple Podcasts. We don't know why it, it mysteriously didn't post to Apple. Right. But it did eventually, but on a Tuesday. And you can imagine the uh, the panic that that sent doc, through Dr. Siegel's system. I when, can only uh, imagine, yes. When he's used to writing his report on, on Monday night. So uh, before we get to Dr. Siegel's viewer mail cleanup spot, let's go to Gail from Houston, Texas.
0: Actually, before we go to Gail, can I just yeah. – Mention this, even though it's a complete non sequitur, because my brain just, for some reason, went there. But uh, WNBA Finals Game Four, Sunday afternoon, in Uncasville, Connecticut. And
2: does Ryan kind of make that S a Z? Uncasville.
0: I don't know, but we always try to say Uncasville just because mm-hmm. it's such an it's, it's, interesting it's, it's name for a city or yes, a town. Absolutely. And so, anytime something about the Connecticut Sun comes up, we say Uncasville, I, Connecticut. I've noticed. Um. Anyway. Uh, I'm sitting there calling the game. I turn around, and I'd purchased tickets f- for our daughters. My sister brought them because you and our son couldn't go. But I turn around, and I see our college-age daughter who came up just to go to the game, our high school-age daughter, and our, our 11-year-old. or eleven year First all time we'd co- seen
2: our, our college daughter since yes, you went off to college.
0: Yes, all in their orange hoodies, all super into the game. The oldest one, not quite as... M- and uh, lively, but uh, but the younger two super engaged and cheering, and and I was just then turning our, our, around. Our
2: oldest likes to be an arena full of people, no yes. matter what's going on, yes. preferably a concert.
0: Right. But the younger two were all about the basketball. And um, in this sold-out arena, and I'm calling this incredible game that's on national television, and it was just a really cool moment. Like, this is incredible basketball being played. And my daughters have grown up in a, in an era where it is not unusual to go to an arena packed with people to watch women play basketball on national television. Like I don't know, it was just um, it just I don't know, stirred some things in me. That 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 uh, it was it was very very sweet.
2: And the quality of play was so exceptional. It was exceptional. basketball played at the highest possible level. Yes. Not not just because these are professional players, but or just because it was the finals. But we saw some, even by the level of, of championship series, is some just exceptional basketball. We've already talked about this on the podcast, obviously, but um, and people who watched know what we're talking about. But, I mean, it was...
0: I mean, Alyssa Thomas had back-to-back triple-doubles. We've never seen a, a triple-double in a WMA Finals game. We've never seen a, a triple-double, back-to-back triple-doubles in any regular season or any game. And, you know, if people, oh, what well, happens all the time in the NBA? Well, yeah, the NBA they play 48-minute games. In the WNBA, it's 40-minute games. And for her to do that um, was extraordinary. And and Chelsea Gray had one of the playoffs, um, the most memorable playoffs I can think of. She was in terms on fire. Of she, she couldn't miss. Her effective field goal percentage was um, number one by far of anybody who had ever uh, played in a finals and uh, it just some of the shots she was making some of the plays other players were making was incredible high high level hoops and um, you know of course you still sometimes have the men out there who uh, typically men fans out there who say negative things and you're like you sound like an idiot well, but, uh, if you criticize the level of play uh, of, of these uh, incredible athletes.
2: And not not that he should get any great credit for this, but but Mark Davis, the owner of the Aces, was there while the Raiders were were playing opposite. You know, I think he does. Game. I
0: think he does get credit because not only.
2: Well, um, I, I mean, you would assume he would be there. That's right, all I'm saying.
0: Right, but still, like the his his football team is his money maker. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but not only was does he attend almost all the Vegas Aces home games, he paid reportedly paid Becky Hammond seven figures to come coach a WNBA team. And uh, Becky Hammond, who, has, who had been a, an assistant coach for Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs for the last uh, eight years, I think it is seven or eight years, and was seen as being on track to get, at some point, a head coaching job in the NBA, instead came to coach in the WNBA and and to me that's a huge sign that you know this is not a step down and so credit Mark Davis for investing in her for investing in the team and helping them um you know to be able to be WNBA champions and it was really cool for him to be there on a Sunday and I said to him because he came over after the game and we were chatting and uh I said to him you know how's how's the how are the Raiders doing? he said, "I don't know I haven't even checked the score he said i'm here i'm I'm here for this team, and that was pretty cool.
2: Do you have any specific memories of young Becky Hammond as your liberty teammate um, you you two are immortalized on a t-shirt that I have now.
0: yeah, Becky Hammond was a rookie in nineteen ninety nine that was my third year' it was the third year of the WNBA. She graduated from Colorado State. And went undrafted. And that was a year where the ABL had just folded. So there was an ABL draft. And then there was the college draft and Becky was not drafted. And uh, she was invited to the New York Liberty training camp. She was in camp with us. Um, I did not think she was going to make the team just because it's really hard to make a team. As an undrafted rookie, as a drafted rookie, as a drafted rookie, exactly. Our she beat out our drafted rookie Nadine Demond, um, and and Becky was just like this scrappy little hardworking player. You, you would wonder because she's not very big. She's about five six, and early in her career, um, smidge doughy. You know, later on in her career, she completely leaned out and got the you know physique of a professional basketball player but she would drive in on six four defenders six five defenders and you're like all right that's going to get swallowed up and all of a sudden the shot would come up hit you know uh carom off the glass and go in like she had this unbelievably uncanny ability to score in the paint great passer out of the paint terrific three-point shooter and just a winner. And she started off as a player who would come in off the bench and get limited minutes. Um, 1999, that's when I, I tore my ACL in the first minute of the first game. So I was watching more than playing alongside her. And then turned herself into an all-star and eventually and played in WNBA finals for both the Liberty and San Antonio um, when she played for the uh, Stars. So anyway, just this um, funny uh, and fun competitor. And it was interesting because before I think game three, she came over and said to me, She's like, Rebecca, she said, Do you remember when you, me, and Sue, meaning Sue Wicks, um, went fishing with my grandparents? Um, she said, And. she said, I spent the whole time getting sick over the side of the boat while you and Sue were hauling in giant fish. Is this in South uh,
2: Dakota or something? Where was this? No,
0: no, this was, uh, it was probably in Connecticut or New York because she has family who live in Connecticut. So I'm I'm assuming um, we must have had a weekend off or a day off or something. And, uh, And her grandfather took us fishing, and she said she still gets motion sick. She she deals with it by like you know putting a patch on or taking whatever you take for motion sickness. But it was so funny because I completely, you know, not remembered that at all. And just the the picture of Becky Hammond barfing over the side of the boat while Sue and I were hauling in fish. The picture of you fishing. I
2: imagine Sue Wicks, who was, I mean, she is. She's she's a a fisherwoman. Yes, exactly. Oh, you know,
0: in. I was I I'm a good fisher, woman. Are you? Yes. When I was a kid, we had a fishing pole. We had a pond down the street. My sister and I would go down there, dig up worms and fish. I made my sister take the fish off the hook, but uh, yeah, and there's see, there's still things you don't know about me. I enjoyed fishing.
2: Well, I, mean, I mean, I know never all...
0: never hunted, but fishing was fun.
2: I know almost nothing about you, I, and I readily concede that. Yes. You spend all of your days either on the road or or attacking mudrooms and and tackling, you know. <laughs> right. And 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 uh and just savoring that moment when you're broadcasting a game and seeing your your children in the stands and knowing that I'm not there. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that.
0: It truly doesn't.
2: Should we get to Gail from Houston, Texas?
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry, Gail.
2: <laughs> no, that's that was that was great. It was very interesting. That's why I asked. Okay. But uh Gale has been hanging on your every word waiting sure to get to has. her. I'm sure she has. Mail. Hi, Rebecca and Steve Wrightscale with an A I L. My most noteworthy celebrity encounter occurred. This is, I think, this is in the non elevator uh, category, mm-hmm. but let's see. My most noteworthy celebrity encounter occurred when I was home from college in 2000, gallivanting about Washington, D.C. My friends and I were walking in DuPont Circle when we turned a corner and stumbled into, literally, not metaphorically, George Stephanopoulos. Ooh. I apologized for such an abrupt encounter and commented that I really enjoyed his book, All Too Human. He, too, apologized, thanked me for reading his book, and we both went on our way in opposite directions. Now, now, uh, I imagine George was traveling in the same direction as Gail, but after that encounter, he went in the opposite direction and probably circled the block. No,
0: of course, if you run into someone, you're traveling in opposite directions.
2: That's true. Although, although... Surely if you, you've you been in lockstep with a uh, with somebody and suddenly had to, to take a right turn at an intersection or something that you hadn't otherwise intended so that you're not walking in Manhattan for 16 consecutive blocks with somebody bending your ear.
0: That happened to me in, in Vegas in, uh, the, in I, the hotel lobby. I, I, I say
2: that because I was that person. You're
0: right. In the hotel lobby, all of a sudden I feel this guy like on my shoulder behind me. I'm like, this this is not normal. Why are you this close to me? So I just stopped. <laughs> Just stop in my tracks and just let him. You you find your path. I'm right. just going to go whichever way you are not.
2: And yeah. that was John ja Morant's dad. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he he did say hello to you after a game, did he not?
0: Yes, uh, John ja Morant's dad. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and he was he was very very sweet. Yeah, he had uh yeah. he had clearly he spent fan time watching in the me day, yeah. playing basketball. Yeah.
2: Uh. Well, but Gail's not done. Gail's stats. Would you like to hear Gail's vital statistics? I think everyone wants to Height? hear those. I mean, you, you've Let heard me guess, you've five, heard her email. 5'7".
0: Five, 5'7", seven.
2: Five, seven, exactly.
0: How did I know?
2: I mean, I think if you're going to guess somebody's height, a woman's height, you would probably guess five seven, would you not? Really? Why can't
0: you just give me credit that I? I nailed mean, it's amazing. It. I nailed it. Okay, I'm not. So I'm guessing she didn't send her weight, so I'm not going to do that. She maybe. No, she maybe? said slight build. Slight build. Okay. Shoe
2: size. So, so this
0: five seven. Then Gail, she's rocking like a size, probably a size seven.
2: Seven and a half. Oh, just reverse the five-seven-seven-five.
0: Right, right.
2: Uh, if only we had a Brannick device to confirm that. Right. And uh, Georgia's stats. She helpfully includes Georgia's stats. Shorter than whatever the internet says.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, is he as small as as he that, appears? Have you not met him?
2: With all of your encounters with George uh, Stephanopoulos, Bill I don't
0: think I have.
2: He's not a. He's not a. But not who a,
0: knows? Maybe I've been fishing with him, and I just don't remember. <laughs>
2: Perhaps. You are a you are a fisher of men. Right, <laughs> uh, you, you drag this in in your net. <laughs> I know, like like uh, like like plastic bottles and other uh, right I thought ocean that, waste. That was yeah.
0: Going to go back into the pond, but yeah. somehow it stuck.
2: Thanks, for, thanks for the thoughtful entertainment week in and week out. Gail from Houston, Texas. Gail, thank you. Um, thanks, thanks for enclosing your your your, your shoe yeah. Yeah. And and George George Stephanopoulos shoe size, Rebecca? Would you care to hazard a guess? We we don't know, of course. So just so be pure he speculation. Probably
0: wears the same as, as uh, Gale. I'm guessing he's a men's six. Probably.
2: So finally, uh, let's get to Doctor Siegel, shall we? Of course we shall. Dear Rebecca and Steve, this note is being written between games two and three of the WNBA Finals. Now, is, Rebecca, is he watching? The ratings the ratings go up. the the uh, The excitement, the the buzz, the the chatter among Celebrities and social media and that sort of stuff—it just seems to rise, right? Mm-hmm. But, but the real watermark will be when Doctor Siegel
0: is watching. Watching?
2: Well, I don't know. This note is being written between games two and three of the wna Finals on the Wednesday morning after Game Two. I'm hoping that Rebecca, on yet another red-eye flight, is home and that you're recording this week's podcast on Wednesday or Thursday. Captain Obvious, me, finally figured out that if I look at the WNBA or Women's NCAA schedules, that I might be able to guess when you're away from home.
0: Ah, yes. And and that was last week, and we did not record one last week. I red-eyed home, then there was a game a day later, so we we didn't get one in.
2: That's also, Dr. Siegel, how I determine whether or not she's home. I look at the WNBA schedule. And and sometimes I'm yelling through the house, calling your name, and then I realize, I look at the schedule and realize you're not home. Yeah. I think that brevity. Pardon. Lovely. I think that brevity is an order. Well, it's, it's some you know, I did that the other day, and then I, I went upstairs and I saw you were you were asleep in bed at, at eleven a.m. Yeah. I think that brevity is in order after last week's epistle, Doctor Siegel's epistle. So here we go. Ready, Rebecca, in numerical order. Mm-hmm. One, a correction from my last note: the Instagram page with neat inscriptions on LL Bean tote bags is ironic boat and tote, not iconic boat and tote.
0: Ironic boat and tote.
2: Not iconic boat and tote. Imagine the number of, of BNC viewers, Rebecca, who, who went to our iconic boat and tote and found something else completely.
0: I wonder what's there.
2: If your desired wording is not exactly mainstream or is edgy, a local embroidery shop, not LL Bean, is your best source. We had a local embroidery shop, Rebecca, and it's no longer. No, there, it's, it's,
0: it? Yeah, but it's consolidated with our local sports shop. Oh, it is? Not in the same oh, town oh, now, but okay. yes, the embroiderers.
2: I have things the, that I... Uh, the
0: embroiderers are now with the sports shop. Uh,
2: the embroiderer, okay. right?
0: Unless there's more than one of them. The embroiderers. This is, this
2: is a perfect perfectly timed because, of course, since our last po- podcast, Roger Federer announced his retirement. And as somebody who's not me... I, I wish I could give credit where it's due. Pointed out that half of Roger Federer's name is Errs. <laughs> right? Do you think Roger Fed, Federer, six letters, and Er, Er, Er? Six ever letters. goes
0: to an embroiderer?
2: That's what he should do in retirement. Uh, Roger, he could picture this in the Swiss Alps, okay? Mm-hmm, yeah, a woodburn sign in a kind of uh, you know a classic Swiss village shop out of, you know, out of a Disney movie, Roger Federer embroiderer. Perfect. Right? Perfecter. So, well, just listen, imagine I for some reason I hear Tom Brokaw saying that. Yes. Two. Uh, just as your daughter is at co- just as your daughter at college has called for laundry advice, my son called during his freshman year seeking advice from Mrs. DGS for his friend Molly who needed advice to do her laundry. So this is like a laundry advice twice removed. The friend Molly asked mm-hmm. Dr. Siegel's son mm-hmm. to call Mrs. DGS to ask for laundry advice. That's really sweet. Because really there's is.
0: obviously a reason that she didn't have elsewhere to go. And uh, I would love to be that person. If, if our daughter called and said, or our son at some point when he's off at college said, my friend needs to know how to do laundry and you're sep- such an exceptional laundry doer that She wants you to tell her. That's sweet.
2: You're an an exceptional launderer. Who knows where your local embroiderer is? That's right. I'm going to call Mrs. DGS when you're out of town and and ask for laundry help. You should. Three, diverted flights years ago when flying to D.C. to fetch my daughter and bring her and her stuff home between jobs in D.C. Mm -hmm. and London. My plane was diverted from Reagan to Dulles. That's weird. That's really weird. The crew was not going to let us deplane until the plane got to its final destination, Reagan. T- t- to its final destination, Reagan. Many of us had D.C. as our endpoint and thus wanted to deplane at Dulles. And as we did, there literally was a Delta agent at the exit of the jetway taking our names on a piece of paper so that Delta could keep track of the passengers. Well, I thought they that's were taking exactly your names. what they did with ours. So they're taking track of your names to to punish you in some way.
0: No, that's been, but that's interesting because, yes, a woman with a, a piece of paper, even in 2022 for those people who weren't getting back on the plane now, just, but, but of course you're just going to take you know if, if dc is your end point why would you then get back on a plane to go from Dulles to national i had
2: a flight diverted not it was a handful of years ago uh from i don't remember where i was coming from but it's thunderstorms in hartford so we landed at boston and i just didn't want to be on that plane anymore it would have been a long day of travel i think i was coming from the west coast and uh, and i also didn't want to be flying in thunderstorms anymore so I asked to get off, and there was a lot of rigmarole involved. And I eventually did get off and rented a car in in Boston. I drove home and arrived at about the same time as the plane, the, the delayed plane, arrived from Boston to Hartford. But at least I was eating a, a Whopper Junior and, and playing my own music and not on the plane anymore. Right. Uh, Four, I have a 30-plus-year-old $100 American Express traveler's check folded in my wallet for an emergency that, thankfully, hasn't yet occurred such that I've needed to cash it.
0: Can you still cash those?
2: I mean, I assume, like, it's, I mean, the whole point of them, it was currency. It was legal tender so that, I mean, if you had a $100 bill from back then, you would still be able to use it, right? I don't don't know what. I don't. I don't I imagine if you showed up at your local 7-11 with that thing they wouldn't know what it was. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be a problem. I mean, I, same goes for a $100 bill. I'm not sure people sure. would know what it is at this point. Or a $20 bill or a $5 bill. 5 Max Verstappen has won 5 races in a row the last at the Temple of Speed Monza in Italy. He's highly likely to be this year's champion in Red Bull, the Constructors' Championship, on which prize money is based. Rebecca Zandvoort is in Holland, and the track abuts the North Sea. My son-in-law's brother lives nearby, so we have a place to stay should the boys make a trip to that race. However, please request that ESPN send you, as a trackside reporter, to Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium or Monza in Italy for your first racing assignments. Rebecca?
0: I would only do that if they let me do it while sitting on a horse, like at the Kentucky oh, Derby. Oh, that's what
2: you really need. That's that's an NBC thing. But you, 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 uh, you um, ride the horse for the post-game interview. I've always said every event would be enlivened by uh, horseback sideline interviews. Right? And,
0: well, every event already is enlivened by Holly Rowe sideline interviews. Just imagine Holly Rowe on horseback. What an incredible television that would be. By the way, our game after Vegas won the championship, so they have the whole ceremony, the podium ceremony, Holly Rowe's questions are just phenomenal, always. She's asking these, it's hard to ask insightful, good questions in the moment and bring out the best of the players and talk to players, then owners, then coaches. Holly just nailed it. She's so good at her job. After
2: having done a college football game the night before.
0: The night before. She did a college football game Saturday night in College Station, Texas A&M. A place flew
2: to, to Uncasville. Two flew, places where you can't get there from yeah, here.
0: Flew to Boston. Somehow got a direct flight. Drove herself from Boston to Uncasville. It's not close. It's like an hour and a half. While we're talking to the coaches pregame, I put Holly on speakerphone so she could listen to hear what the coaches were saying and, and could ask questions. She gets to the arena maybe a little bit more than an hour to tip and then does a flawless broadcast. It's, it's, it's truly remarkable.
2: It really is. And, and um, since, since we're talking about the sideline reporting on horseback and in the same podcast we talked about Conan O'Brien's In the Year 2000 bit from his old late-night show, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, In the Year 2000s mm-hmm. was this. In the year 2000, an armed rebellion of apes on horseback will be put down by an army of horses on ape back. (laughs) I've always enjoyed that phrase, horses on ape back. I
0: I just, the the phrase armed rebellion gives me a...
2: Well, it says Planet of the Apes reference, obviously. Um, And uh, let's see, the last, number six from Dr. Siegel, we had a nice visit from our son and his family, including our four-year-old granddaughter this past weekend. It was wonderful and exhausting. All the best, Gary, with two R's. Uh right back at you Dr. Siegel. Thank you as always for your enumerated uh, epistle. Rebecca.
0: Thank you for your epistle whether it's enumerated or not.
2: <laughs> That's all I have.
0: That's all I have. Tom Dick. Well, well, thank you, Denny.
2: Producer Denny Gallagher.
0: Tom Dick Harry. Play us out.
1: Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test Androgynous and figuist while we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane